I never want anyone to be concerned about a grade at the end of a course. And there's no grades here, no quizzes, don't worry. But what I do want people to understand is how am I now more of an educated consumer so that the next time I go on a trip to Greece, if you are lucky enough to do so, or go to a museum and see a famous painting, or even reading a book or watching a television show and you see a Greek vase painting, you'll be more informed. You'll be more historically literate. And so what are the goals of this course going forward from that starting point? The goals of this course are are really kind of big, right? I want you to get acquainted with the major periods, and we're going to do some chronology, the major people, but most especially the major ideas. That's what I am. I'm an historian of ideas. That's what I study in my own research. How did the Greeks think? Because the Greeks think a certain way and Romans think a certain way. Buddhists think another way. Medieval Germans think one way. And Spanish Muslims in the 12th century think another way. So how did the ancient Greeks think? What did they think about? What didn't they think about? What didn't they care about? And the events of ancient Greek civilization. Now this is going to move forward generally chronology, chronologically. But I don't believe in history as as had been famously said, one damn thing after another. You know, we can look these things up. It's important to know, I tell my students, that Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad never sat down at a table together. They're separated by centuries, even millennia. So you do need to know what came first, what came second, and what came third. But this is not micro-history. We're not looking at moment-by-moment accounts. You have to remember that Plato and Aristotle didn't tweet. They lived in a world before email. And so we need to take a big picture. We're going to understand some fundamental vocabulary. And so a few Greek phrases are going to come into play. The basic chronology and also the geography. I think that if you want to really put students to pain, what you do is you say, today class, we're going to talk about geography or grammar. Those are two things that never work when you just look at them dead on. What you want to do is you want to sprinkle grammar in and you want to sprinkle geography in so people know where things are on the map, but also the lay of the land is important. So all of us will listen to weather reports and we'll hear whatever the weather report is in our uh, area, and then we'll hear, but in higher elevations, the frost will come sooner. That's not because of geography, that's because of topography, the lay of the land, critically important for the Greeks, as we'll see in a few minutes. I want to look at Greek culture. This is less a course on Greek history, one damn thing after another, than Greek culture. So we're going to look at history in terms of events, but also politics, culture, religion, society, values. They never would have taken this stuff apart. The dumbest question you could ever ask Socrates is, what's your major? He would never have understood the way we balkanize and bastardize learning um, in our curricula, because it was all of a piece for him. And that's what we're going to try to get a hold of. We're also going to try to look at both top-down and bottom-up history. You know, for centuries it was said, history is nothing but the biography of great men. And I always know what women have to say about that. And then there'd be some kind of very pedantic line like, oh, behind every great man there's a great woman. That doesn't do much for me and it doesn't do much for the women in my life. We're going to look not only at top-down history, because listen, let's face it, very few of us are going to be military leaders and political leaders. We are living an everyday, work-a-day life. Can we get a hold of bottom-up history? 
do we know what it was like to be a, to be anachronistic, middle-class, blue-collar person in ancient Greece? Well, it's hard to do that because most of those people, and certainly the women, were not literate. So what we hear about women are through the mouths of men. And of course, men don't know everything that they think they know about women. So we're going to have to infer sometimes. Sometimes we do hear the voices of slaves because slaves could be literate. Slaves could be quite educated people, as we'll see later on. Slavery in the ancient world, very different in some ways than slavery in the modern world. And we'll make those connections as well. So what we're going to try to do is marry top-down and bottom-up history as much as we can. And we want to understand change. We want to understand how culture and society and values changed over time, how these things influenced each other and were influenced by...